Hi, everyone. We are here today with photographer Phil Cantor from Montclair, New Jersey. Phil, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Robert. Why don't we start off by talking a little bit about style. One of the biggest debates in, in wedding photography is you know, determining what style uh, you want. And what I've found to be true is that everyone kind of has their own definition of all these styles. You know, we hear the buzzwords, but, um, you know, what do they mean? So why don't you give us a sense of your perspective on, you know, when I, when I say to you, you know, what style of photography do you do? Well, I think that there are, there are two basic styles. People might dispute that, but I think that there are two styles of photography. There is the traditional portrait style, which is very classic, elegant portraits. The emphasis is on posed pictures. The, the, I would say, somewhere between 50 and 80% of what a, a traditional photographer does is uh, elegantly styled and portraits that take a fair amount of time. And maybe 20% is candid moments. It could even be that 20% could even include the staged events at the wedding like cake cutting and first dance. The newer style, which, is, which has basically come around in the last decade, is what's called the photojournalistic style. And that emphasizes the candids, those moments that are unplanned, those moments that happen on their own. They're spontaneous things that happen in various, at various venues during the course of the day. It happens from the moment we open the door, when we ring the doorbell. It could be you know, the groom coming to the door with shaving cream on uh, to the, the final moment at the dance, uh, the final last dance at the wedding where the bride and groom, the groom has his jacket off, his sleeves are rolled up, the bride's hair is down, and they're spinning slowly to their last dance, and we blur the background. We do, the photojournalistic style does a combination of some portraits and mostly candids. I would say 20% of what we do are formally post pictures, and our post pictures are, are kind of have a more spontaneous feel to them, as opposed to spending hours doing it. We'll we'll do spend about thirty five to forty five minutes doing these portraits. So even though that they're posed, uh, they still kind of have the same feel of of kind of a candid. If you could take a candid posed picture. It's important for families that they do get post pictures. These the post pictures are family history, so there will be the formal post pictures. But around those post pictures, there are these things that happen: people lining up. There's the little kid who just runs past, you know, stealing the flowers, and those are the kind of things. Those these kind of behind the scenes that are, I think, are the earmark of the photojournalistic photographer. We're photographing those things in addition to getting these very these these pictures that are family history. It's kind of like looking beyond the lens, if you will, of what you would think you'd be taking the photographs of. There's so much more happening around that. That's right. It's um, like pulling back the curtain and revealing what's going on. Right. Giving that, that, uh, that look in that you, don't, you wouldn't ordinarily uh, see. Now, you know, in talking about, you know, the debate about styles is, is equally a hot debate about uh, formats of, of Photography, you know, you hear uh, uh, thirty-five millimeter, you hear two and a quarter, you hear digital. Um, you know, being a professional in the business, I find it confusing. I can only imagine that brides do. What's the scoop on that? I think the straight scoop on photography, on the on the equipment that photographers use, is that it's just equipment. It is it is just tools in our kit. Uh, at some moments, I I love to have 
film, and there's some moments that I think lend themselves to digital. I think I think what it comes down to is that you shouldn't even concern yourself. Brides and grooms should not concern themselves with what kind of equipment a photographer uses. But all the magazines tell you to ask, you know, that. Are they, you know, just giving you something to do? I mean, uh, it just seems like... You know, you that's know, what so you funny. should be doing. I, when, when someone is saying, well, do you shoot medium format or 35 million digital? I say, well, I shoot whatever I'm shooting at that moment. And, they'll, and I'll say, well, now what do you do with that information? And she says, I don't know. I was told to ask you. Uh, so my point is, is that if you love the photography that you're looking at in the photographer's portfolio, if their samples are gorgeous and they speak to you and that they are, there's an emotional connection that you make with the pictures of people's weddings you don't even know, if you like that, then you don't care what the photographer uses. If the photographer told you he's using a disposable plastic camera, then you want him to use a disposable plastic camera at your wedding because you want those same kind of photographs. Right, because you're ultimately you're just looking at the finished product. So it's almost as if you, know, you would ask uh, your mechanic what kind of wrench uh, exactly. they're using. You, know, you want your car fixed. You know, this and- is all about the eye of the photographer. If there is something there, that's what you want, and it, it's not about the equipment. The equipment is secondary. I mean, there there might be some reasons. Let's say you you're going to be you want to sell picture you you want pictures to be posted on the internet so your your relatives in England can buy them. Then you know digital has some advantages that way, but still you know I I would choose. There are certain moments that I think film vastly uh, surpasses digital, and that and in that case you know you. I think that there's it, – it, it speaks to go – Whatever's right for Whatever's the right for the moment. Right. And it doesn't matter. You know, it's funny. I have an uncle who uh, uh, last time I saw him, uh, you know, engaged me in conversation. He was considering upgrading his two-megapixel camera to a six-megapixel camera. And um, he just can't take pictures. So, you know, he's got higher-resolution bad pictures, <laughs> um, you know, by moving to a six-megapixel. And I told you know, just save your money. It's not going to make you a better photographer. Um, and, and, and I guess uh, someone who's looking for photography for, for their wedding should, you know, keep that in mind. Really, it's, it's the end product that you're interested it's in. It's the end product. Uh, we, you know, our, our studio, we use all formats. We use digital. We use film. We use two and a quarter. We, use, we have even used uh, plastic cameras if we're going for a certain effect. Uh, but, uh, it, again, it is... It's our eye that you're really buying. Now, I, I saw something very interesting in your studio here where I could actually see, it looks like I'm looking at a strip of film on the, on the photograph. What, what kind of uh, process is that that you use to print those pictures? Well, very often we're, if we have, when we're designing our album, if we find that uh, uh, if it's a film wedding and that the two negatives were right next to each other, we'll often print the sprocket holes because it's, it's again, Just it's like a very going, cool look. It's like going behind the scenes again. And, uh, some, and we've used panoramic cameras, which, has, which allow us to print the sprocket, the sprocket holes. And uh, it's, 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 again, it's, uh, I would not want to do this on every page in the book because then it would take away the, uh, the uniqueness of it. What can a bride expect to receive from you once the wedding is shot? In the way we work is we have a very simple system. We're very not complicated. We're not the type of studio that has the ambassador package and the commodore package. We're looking we, – we provide our clients with proofs and 
files. And you do something uh, rather unique in delivering uh, your proofs. Uh, you were just showing me um, these uh, beautiful wood boxes that uh, your proofs come in. This is very specific to me, but um, uh, we provide we we do we do. Uh, I'm going to start this whole thing over. We do uh, our our brides and grooms get hundreds of proofs. I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 to 1,000 proofs. They come in a handmade wooden box. And we also make an incredibly beautiful album containing at least 50 pictures, often more. And what about the negatives? The, uh, the couples uh, get, get their negatives? Every studio does it differently. The way we work is our clients get all the negatives and all the digital files. And is there, you know, I'm sure uh, there's... A very high percentage of of your couples that um, you know having their own uh, negatives, you would think they would go off on their own and and produce their own albums and things like that. But you don't find that to be true. Uh, you know, almost all of your clients come back and do albums with you. Um, what kinds of things? Uh, I, I was looking at some of your albums uh, in the studio, and you do some very unique things with uh, couples' albums in terms of of the, how their pages are laid out. We use a very magazine-style layout for our album, whether we're doing what's called the digital album or a traditional matted album. We're using, we're bringing techniques that are common in graphic design and magazine layouts into the way we design wedding albums. I want the book to represent the same tempo and flow that the wedding had. I want there to be pages that are quiet and reverential like a ceremony. And then I want there to be noisy, jumbly pages like the party. I want the way the bride and groom experienced the party is the way I want them to be able to turn the pages of the book. And that leads me to think about these new, a lot of new digital books that I've seen at uh, in the market where every page is chock full of doodads and effects and background things happening and every page is like it's like there's like no there's like no finesse to these books i think you need quiet pages in order for the the exciting pages to stand out i like a book that has design and has surprises in it now when uh when you're working with a couple um a bride and a groom uh, because you put together these types of, of albums, I'm sure that your day with them is uh, uh, quite comprehensive. Uh, you start uh, at what point in time with uh, with most brides? With most brides, most brides were starting an hour at the home before they leave for the church. So we, if we figure that they're uh, going to need to leave uh, 15 minutes ahead of the start time of the ceremony where they're an hour and 15 minutes before the ceremony because we're looking for the transition of the bride starting in her jeans to ending up in her gown. And then we if then we're, we get over to the church or the synagogue or the reception site for the ceremony, and we are looking for the groom. We're picking up some stuff on the groom there. And then, of course, we're photographing the entire ceremony. If the pictures, if we're doing portraits before the ceremony, uh, well. Okay. Well, let's – now, let's talk a little bit about uh, the idea of a bride and groom seeing one another before uh, the ceremony. You know, there's a, always a big debate in the wedding world with, uh, you know, should I see him before, should I see him after? 
Um, and it's uh, a very different experience, uh, you know, either way. What are some of the pros and cons of, of, uh, of doing that? Well, we don't make any demands as to when we have to do the portraits. But I always – when brides, brides and grooms ask me that question – I always tell them about what happens when you do the pictures beforehand. When you do the pictures after the ceremony, uh, you will have a lot of pressure on you to get into the cocktail hour. They'll be they'll be fairly rushed. The doing the portraits afterwards will be something to get through in order to get to the bar. When you do pictures before the wedding, what happens is four things. First of all, you're gathering the most important people in your lives about, say, approximately two hours before the start of the ceremony. The, let's say you have the bridal party and your families. These are the most important people in your lives. They're gathering together. Some of them will not even have met each other up until that point. So here, here you are. Everyone is coming together for, them, for the purpose of taking pictures. Number two, you have extended your wedding day. The wedding day is short enough with a five-hour party, but to do the pictures beforehand, you are you are lengthening the day. The portraits become another chapter in in the um, in a multi-chapter day. A wedding is a wedding is beautiful because there's so many different things that go on. By doing the portraits ahead of time, instead of the portraits being something to rush through, they are now something that you can actually relish and you can actually enjoy. And the last thing that I love about portraits is that since the groom probably has not seen the bride's dress, we always arrange for the groom to see the bride for the first time. And it's usually done in a more private and intimate session than in front of 200 people at a, at a church or a synagogue. And uh, I've always found uh, uh, those times to be uh, very emotional. A groom can uh, kind of express himself uh, in a way that he wouldn't be able to if he were in front of his buddies uh, and in front of all his guests. So. It's, it's amazing what happens. They they actually are much more emotional. The guys tend to be much more emotional when you don't have uh, when you yeah. don't feel like you're on on camera. Right. You know, when you don't feel under the gun of of all these people watching you. It's right. it's so much so much moving, more moving and intimate. Okay, so now take us, uh, uh, you know through uh, the ceremony um, and uh, how you might uh, uh, go about covering a, uh, let, let's talk about a, a church uh, service, church wedding. How would you go about covering Well, we that? always shoot this church wedding from the, f- we try to shoot the church wedding, using, assuming that we have permission to do this, from the front, uh, from the front of the first pew, so that, because we know that all, everyone's eyes will be looking to the back. So, our goal is not really to be seen. So as people are coming down, as the processional happens and uh, when the finally the bride and her father come down, we move to the back of the church at that point and we shoot with long lenses. Then we, At some point we come down the side aisles and we photograph the people uh, who are special speakers. And then usually from the at that point we're shooting from the back and the side, often simultaneously, of what's going on during the ceremony. But now, quite often, uh, there are restrictions in church, uh, both to location and, and more often than not, uh, restriction on, on flash or lighting of anything. Um, does that ever pose a, a problem? Most of the, t- most of the time, we, uh, 
it does not pose a problem. But I'll tell you, one, one of the things that we do is uh, a true photojournalistic photographer will respect the ritual and will not be doing anything that draws attention to themselves. For instance, we walk very slowly when we're visible by the crowd. Often when we get to the back of the church and we have to get to the other side, we'll sprint in the back where no one can see us, but then when we come down the side, we're walking very slowly again because we don't want to pull people's eyes off the front and onto us. Uh, we're Very often we're shooting with the restriction of no flash, and we'll go to a tripod or we'll go to very high-speed film or we'll go to a very high-speed setting on a digital camera, both allowing us to shoot in a very quiet way. I often bring a camera that has a very quiet shutter in order, I call it my Episcopalian camera because I find that Episcopalian ministers are the most strict and don't like to have any photographs at all during ceremonies. So with a, a camera that's uh, got a quiet shutter, you, you know, you wouldn't disturb anyone even if you were close to someone. I can usually cough while I'm taking the picture, and no one will see here. And that masks it. Now, um, uh, once we're we're done with the ceremony, um, uh, do you like to, if portraits haven't been done or haven't been completed prior to the ceremony, um, do you like to utilize the ceremony location uh, for the photographs, for family shots? Well, I always prefer to go outdoors if I can for portraits. Uh, I prefer places that have large trees to provide shade. The worst location are flowers. People think that flower gardens would be the most beautiful place for pictures. But that's where everyone wants to take pictures, in front of flowers. But unfortunately, flowers require full sunlight to grow, and that is the most unflattering light for the human face. So we look for big trees, shade. We look for stone walls, fences. We look for things that, that anchor that anchor people when they're taking pictures. If we have bad weather, the best place for photography is back inside the church because I usually it has it might have steps, it might have chairs and it has meaning. It is not just the blank wall at a reception site. My third and final choice is the reception site because sometimes you haven't, that's the only thing you have available. Churches often have five o'clock masses. You have to get out of there and you have to, or, and if it's raining or bad weather, then you're back. You do whatever is next, which would be uh, some corner of the reception site away. This is very important. You have to be away from the arriving guests. Because you'll would, never get the shots done. You know, because what would normally take 35 minutes ends up taking 55 minutes because you have to keep starting each sequence over again as a, one groomsman takes his eye off the camera. Yeah, that's that's uh, really something that uh, couples should uh, should really listen to. Okay, then um, during the reception itself, um, uh, as I guess when you kind of go into a much more candid... Uh, uh, approach to what you're doing does your you know the the style of shooting do you have an assistant at that point um you know are you shooting with flash in the reception one of the great things that happened during the reception is this is this this is the moment that starting with the cocktail hour and running through the end of the uh probably the five hour party it's filled with all these moments that happen in every which way in every place of the in every nook and cranny and every corner of the of the reception site the uh, we'll use flash. We'll use a second flash if we if the room is dark. We'll use available light if we're trying to get a candlelight shot. Uh, one of the great things is 
what happens during the party is that very often the bride will find herself at a table where all the girls on the block where she grew up on are seated. And that's a great photograph to get. And very often it's it's sort of somewhere between a portrait and a candid. And I kind of call those disorganized portraits because they happen throughout the night and they all have there are shots that have incredible significance to the couple and they're a fun shot to get and I love getting that kind of stuff. So it's the the evening turns into three things wild, loose candids, these disorganized portraits, and then the third element are those staged events that happen at that that are very important for family history. It's the first dance, it is the dance with the parents, it's the cake cutting, it's the toasts. And even within those, I think it's really important that we try not we try not to get the bride and groom to stop what they're doing for the camera. Like when you're if you're having your first dance with your new husband, the last thing we want you to do is looking at us. We want this great moment that's happening between right. the two of you. Looking at one another. It's incredible. Right. If your father starts crying, it's a great <laughs> photograph. Now, um, anyone do table shots anymore? It has been so long since I've seen that. What, I'll tell you what, what's better about the photojournalistic style and table shots is we end up, uh, uh, traditional table shots, you end up with 20 shots Right now, these are the shots where you know the photographer comes over and says, "Okay, from here over this half to of the here, table, please stand up and walk behind up. the other half." That's a traditional table okay. shot, and what you end up with in your in your album is twenty shots of all looking alike of people standing in front of of a progressively dirtier and dirtier table, because as as the night progresses, the table gets messier and messier, and they all look alike. And the problem, of course, is people do it because you think you're going to get everybody at the wedding, but you don't because there's always somebody in the bathroom or at the bar. And um, it is a tremendous imposition on everybody who's there. And then you end up with people with tables of pictures, pictures of tables where... People don't really know each other. So what we do instead, or the, what photojournalistic st- photographers do instead, is we are always we're roaming the tables constantly. And we're getting lots of pictures at the table, but it's usually two people heavily in conversation. Their hands are flying. They might be touching. They're going back and forth. It's a, it's a much more interesting and meaningful people type in, of in a moment. In it's a moment. Exactly than, right. Than it's just kind of it's people smiling at the camera. It's people being natural. Right. And, you know, it's so weird because, you know, all our lives we're conditioned to take look here photographs, you know, every Thanksgiving, uh, you know, every holiday. um, And the interesting thing is for our entire lives, we're conditioned to be taking look here photographs where, you know, your uncle is up at the Thanksgiving table and it's okay, everyone look here and smile. And then suddenly... Um, we're put into a situation where, you know, we want the complete opposite. Um, you know, I know from uh, being a videographer, it's tough to get people to kind of get out of that pattern of, of you know, wanting to smile for the camera. Um, how do you get people to not do that? Well, it's interesting. The first hour and a quarter of a wedding, it's about, it's all about people stopping what they're doing. And what I end up doing is I I say, um, okay, that's the last post picture you'll have to take tonight, and then and then by an hour it. and a quarter they've got it because it's interesting. They now go, oh, I'm not supposed to look at the camera. 
I get this. And then they kind of do these exaggerated gestures for the first couple of shots. And then by the, you know, by the halfway through the party, they are, they're just yeah, enjoying they're, themselves. They and that it. makes right. for great pictures. Right, right. Now, tell me about uh, your staff at the studio. You, you know, you, I'm, I'm sure, uh, shoot most of the weddings here. Uh, there are other photographers as part of your studio? I'm the principal photographer in my studio, and it has my name on the door, so that's that's who does the most of the weddings, and I also set the whole tone and style for the for the studio. And on top of that, I have uh, two or two senior photographers who uh, who have started as my assistants and then a long time ago became full photographers and they've been shooting the if, if if there was a Phil Cantor school of photography they embody it. And then during the week I I have a studio manager and studio assistants who uh, who are work at the uh, at home base. And we produce the albums and do shoots here in the studio. Talk a little bit about the uh, the album process. Once uh, a bride gets her um, her batch of of proofs, and she's uh, decided on on the ones that she wants. Um, what happens next? Well, let's talk about deciding on the pictures that should be in the album because that's probably the most difficult thing for for couples to do. Well, they, they do the whole thing. You know, you just kind of hand it to. Them. Do you do you guide them in any way? I give as I give a fair amount of guidance. I I tell you that you should be. I tell the bride and groom that they should be picking pictures that really represent the character and personality of their wedding. They shouldn't just be looking. There should be some post pictures, of course. There should be. Three, three or four pictures of the two of them. There should be each of their families in a posed situation. Maybe the bridal party, but beyond that, um, I want people to push the envelope. You're, if you're go, if you're choosing a photojournalistic style, don't fall back into the trap of just picking pictures of people looking at the camera. I have so many brides. Uh, they they come in with their pictures, and they say. Uh, they they look at the pictures and I say, well, where is that shot of the close-up of the flowers or the ring? I remember we took it. And they say, oh, well, I didn't know I could choose that picture. Of course. And the answer is, of course you can choose it. Those are the kind of pictures, those details are what kind of give the entire flavor to the book. And that's what we're looking for. Um, I want people to pick moments that are important to them. And then the other important and interesting thing is that they have to pick pictures of people who are what I call album-worthy. They have to be pictures of people who will be in their lives for 10 to 20 years. Right, so you maybe know. not, you know, the all their friends work, from work. Work friends right. are probably, would not be in the book. Uh, generally, your parents' friends don't make it in, but, but of course there might be some someone who you're very close to. But typically, it's you're, you're picking people who are important to both of you and the other thing is there may be pictures of people who who are doing stuff at the wedding that really are emblematic of what of how the wedding felt to you. Well, now you bring up an interesting point. What if you've got uh you know a set of parents that really want uh certain pictures uh, uh you know as part of the album, you know, I'm sure it's possible, you know, they'll get their own album. Can't, you know, isn't that a good way to resolve a lot of that difficulty? Well, it's an excellent way to resolve that difficulty. You, you, you make a parent album. And a parent album, uh, if it's 
if it's designed as a freestanding element essay, not a, not a clone of the big album, the parent album can contain 24 pictures that are totally their their friends, their relatives, and uh, the couple. Right, and or a combination of both. You know, having typically what ha- ends up happening some... is that about half the pictures of the bride's uh, parents' book is uh, are are the same pictures that are in the bride's book, bride and groom's book, except that the other half are more towards that family, are more represent more of that family, and the same with the groom's family's book. Now, um, let's say a bride. Uh, wants to be able to share uh, these these photographs uh, electronically uh, via the internet or, or uh, in a slideshow uh, what types of options are available and, and does it matter whether it was shot digitally or on film for emailing purposes uh, either one is fine film or digital uh, with film you're probably going to be emailing about 20 images and it's very easy to scan scan right off the proofs the proofs are of high quality yeah if you're going to if you want to be doing a slideshow or doing uh, the or posting pictures on a website from which your guests can order pictures then it's, then that's one of the uh, that would be an overriding reason to go and elect digital photography for your wedding it, it becomes much much more logical in that sense but it is certainly possible to take a you know standard uh, film and proofs and and create digital yes, images from it. Yes, yeah, that's that's fairly easy to do. Okay, um, and what uh, can a bride and groom expect uh, in terms of turnaround time for a finished album? The uh, after the wedding, the proofs take around anywhere from four to six weeks to get back. Uh, a lot of that depends on how busy the studio is and uh, what season you're in. During the wedding season, it's definitely going to be on the six-week side. Um, if you're if you're dealing with a single practitioner who doesn't have very many weddings, then it's probably going to be faster. The albums take anywhere from three to seven months to do, depending on the style of album, the complexity of it, uh, the amount of pictures in the album, the uh, uh, it's technology is changing all the time on album production, and uh, we're getting faster, as I assume most people are getting faster. But it's still it's still a tremendous amount of handwork involved. An album is very, it's very labor intensive. There are so many elements to it, uh, including the traditional, the old fashioned bindery, which is it's a it's a hundred hundred year two hundred year old process of, of mounting pictures onto a page. It's, uh, it, it creates a book that it feels right in terms of an album. Uh, we, do, we do what's called a, a matted uh, or a permanently mounted album, and it has weight to it. it, it it's, it's what you would think of as a family heirloom. And can an album like that just stay out on the coffee table? Is there any way to, that a couple should care for their, their photo album? Uh, photo- photographs and books want to live in the same kind of environment that we like. So low humidity, not wide variations in temperature, and certainly uh, away from any sort of uh, uh, moisture is the, best, is the best environment for your pictures like to live in. Like baby bottles. Like, let's say, hurricane flooding. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, Phil, we certainly appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us uh, uh, today. And uh, if a bride wanted to see some of your portfolio, 
Do you have a website? I do. It's uh, philcantor.com, and that's C-A-N-T-O-R. And the phone number is 800-487-1065. Okay, and we'll have all of that information for you um, in the show notes if you happen to be driving right now and you don't want to pull over and copy that down. Just check out uh, the show notes on the website. And, uh, Phil, thanks very much for being with us. And um, we, uh, we hope that our listeners took away some, uh, some things that they learned today. And uh, if you want to check out Phil's uh, photographs, you can visit his website. Phil, thank you very much for joining us. All right.